I want to start with perhaps a slightly personal note, which was, it was enormously enjoyable and interesting working with the Commission on this, because it took a, an absolutely forensic approach to everything. I think it questioned every single assumption that had been made over the previous decades and examined it and turned it over. That included a whole stream of meetings at the ABI with our member companies where the question was put to them, well, look, you're out there writing products. Why aren't you writing products in this area? What would make you be stimulated to write products and so forth. And it was an extremely enjoyable and interesting experience. It was also quite a unique one for a trade association in that we were in a space where there are hardly any products out there at the moment. Now, if you're talking about motor insurance, lots of motor insurers, property insurance, lots of property insurers. But apart from the very valuable product, which is the immediate care needs annuity, which is provided, there's a lot of space for thought because there's at the moment an absence of anything out there which is actually supporting people. So we were very supportive of the process and very supportive of the outcome of the findings and recommendations of the Dilnop Commission. We didn't go along to the Commission saying you should do this, that and the other. What we said was I think there were some clear things you needed to do to be able to encourage the private sector to be able to step in. First of all, whatever you did had to last. There's no point in putting something in place which doesn't last through a change of government, for example. So it has to last. It has to provide clarity for people so that they, they know over the long term what they need to aim for and what is for them and what is for other people to provide. And we needed to have a lot more information out there. It's a simple information about what people's expectations were because I imagine there are many people in this room who only really come across these sort of issues when uh, they get to the stage where one of their parents needs to go into some sort of care and they start to deal with these issues. So a lot more issues around information and how it's provided. We said essentially, we don't mind how you chop up the risk. The key thing is, is that we know what risk is out there and we can start to address how we look at it. And in fact, although the Commission's recommendation was that the state to take the long tail risk, there are products out there which at the moment do exactly that in terms of the immediate needs annuities. So we are delighted that we're now working with the Department of Health and we're leading a work stream which is precisely looking at the issue of what the role the private sector can play. I think my gentle warning, and I'm sure Sean will understand this, is that work streams can take on a life of their own and they can carry on. We've been spending the last year working on work streams on flooding and we haven't come to a conclusion on those yet. So I think it's quite important to make sure that that work pushes hard. The ABI has taken this approach as part of the work we're doing on promoting a more financially resilient society. There's an urgent need for people to save more, especially towards their pensions, to make sure they're better insured against unexpected events, such as ill health, and are aware of the needs around things like long-term care, which are going to hit them. And I'm always struck by the fact, and Ros mentioned this, is that all of us, I imagine all of us in this room, I was tempted to do a box, but how many people here have got house insurance? I imagine that everyone will put their hands up because you recognise that there are things that might happen to your house which you wouldn't be able to afford and therefore you need to deal with. If I were to ask how many people here have critical illness insurance, it would be interesting to see that there might well be fewer, and yet that's in many ways just as big a need for people because the chances of your house being flooded, the chances of you getting cancer and so forth, I don't know how they compare with each other, but they're things that happen in life. So it's all part of a process where we as a nation are underprotected, and I think it's part of the whole process of making sure this, this, this debate is, has to be seen in that, that wider context. So we're very supportive of the partnership approach and the need for more people to know they need to fund part of their care. And we think that there is now scope, given the parameters that the Commission has set out, for products to emerge. For example, top-up insurance, extension of deferred payments type schemes. 
There's also potential for the insurance sector to help in terms of quality. Well, slightly spoiled the joke I was going to make at this point, which is that insurers don't like paying claims. Okay, that's the big joke, don't like paying claims. But what I mean by that is that what is preferable to spend a little bit of money putting good locks on your house or having it burgled? And insurers will certainly can do a great deal about the quality of care people get and um, stop making sure they only go into care when they absolutely need to. So there's potential there. So we're thinking how best we can support people to fund their share of the partnership costs based on the recommendations. And we're thinking really in terms of three cohorts. The first cohort is the generation in care or needing care now, and they're typically aged 85 plus. The next is the retired generation not yet needing care, typically 65 plus. And that's an important thing to note because over the next 20 years, I think the expectation is that most people going into some sort of care will have done all their saving. They'll have done the saving to pensions, they will have bought their house. The third cohort is the working generation. We typically say 45 plus. Many of these people, their mortgage is at a manageable level. My briefing here says the children have left home. Well, if someone can advise me how to do that, I'm grateful for advice. But <laughs> nevertheless, you can expect your children to start getting some financial independence, even if they're still under your roof. And the appropriate financial product or service depends on, on the, that cohort. There are products out there for the generation needing care now and considering other support. For the working generation, we think pensions is extremely important. If you can sort out the pensions issue and the people have enough money to look after their retired needs, then you can start to address some of these issues. So what are the next steps? There's got to be all-party support and there's got to be a push and noise. And I'll end up with two stories. If you, I don't know how many people in this room take the Daily Telegraph, but if you look at the front of the Daily Telegraph this morning, they've got a big campaign on planning. And one of insurers' obsessions is flood risk, and they need to do something about flood risk. So you need to carry on making a huge noise about it, and we've this morning made a huge noise about flood risk on the front of the Daily Telegraph. And you need a similar thing about noise about this issue to make sure it, it carries on. Make sure it, everyone talks about it. One of the things that I enjoyed about doing this work was that the Commission regularly started appearing on the Friday evening comedy shows on Radio 4. There was a news quiz question which um, related to a speech that Lord Warner had made at the ABI. I was particularly proud of that one. It featured in the Now Show and you may think I'm joking but if it becomes part of people's discourse that this is an issue then it's out there and you can keep the bicycle wheel spinning and getting the focus on. And I want to finally mention the riots. Now you might think what on earth have the riots got to do with long-term care but um, as the government very quickly found and if I'm honest I personally found very quickly is that the funding for riots, reparations after riots, is governed by an act which was passed in 1886. Now, apart from the obvious comment that riots are nothing new, you can make the comment there that the Victorians knew what they were doing because that act shares the risk between the state and the private sector. And as a result of that, it still operates today, it means that the state picks up some of the risk and insurers pick up the rest. It's probably about 50-50. And the outcome of that is that everyone's covered. And we looked into this and we found out that most other countries in Europe, you can't get riot cover. So because the state and the private sector work together on this, it's pretty widespread and universal. And that's a, a good model to think about in terms of how you can provide for people in this particular area. Okay, thank you. Okay.